the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Bear Adam Conk in studio. <laughs> the roar has continued. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, whether you're listening on the podcast or on the radio here in Acadiana. We're excited to be back. I was sorry I was out of town last week. Well, don't be sorry, sir. You were doing the Lord's work. I was trying. What you was doing? I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, they do, apparently. Well, yes, they do, because I was there. But <laughs> for years, they've been doing a big diocesan Eucharistic Congress. For years? For years. You're kidding. Yeah. And actually, Good the Archdiocese them. of Atlanta started something maybe 15 or even more years ago. Thousands of people once a year would gather at, you know, like a huge, you know, arena. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I love good news like that. Like, good things are happening. So anyway. Way, way to go, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, which is cool because Charlotte, you know, they would consider it, obviously, the Bible Belt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But they've been just trucking along, trucking along, doing a Eucharistic Congress, probably, I don't know, maybe 15,000 people. That is amazing. So I was there to speak um, there, so I flew in and back, but got to meet a lot of people, had dinner with the bishop and some other priests, and uh, met some some folks. I ran into a cousin I have, shout out to Emily Coco, that's her maiden name. That's her last seen name, in Coco? 30 years. That's so cool. 30 years. That's awesome. So she lives in Charlotte or she lives in Charlotte. Okay. Was at the conference. It was so good. Like just running into her it was really strange. Cause I looked at her. I was like, I know you <laughs> like, at, like 30 years, you know, like the, like it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Good friends with her younger brother. Who's my age, Dominic Coco. We grew up together. And, um, anyway, it was just fascinating. Like I just had all these little things kind of planned out. You never know why you're going somewhere. You think you're going, yeah. oh, give a talk or whatever. But like God's got some other agendas for you, you know, happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the cool things though, like I was having um, dinner with with the group of you know people who organize it and priests and and whatnot. They have fifty one seminarians. Wow, it's like a high number. Yeah, no, that is a high number. It's I mean, it's got to be in the top ten. I only know that because when Lafayette had 40, Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana had 40, we were like up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so 51. Yeah. No, and just solid dudes, man. There. Like really solid guys. It was, so, that, so that was cool. And then the other part is the diversity of the Eucharistic Congress. Mm-hmm. I would say in a lot of ways it was probably, and you know, I don't know for sure, but I, I would say it was probably over 50%. Uh, Hispanic. Wow. Yeah, it was beautiful. In so North Carolina. Different languages, you know, different sessions for different, you know, groups and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was cool because, you know, when you think about the universal church, it is so many shapes, sizes, and colors and that mm-hmm. and languages. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. So did you, when you spoke, did you speak some Spanish? You know, I'm working on that, Adam. See? I'm working on that. Yeah. See, I am working on that. Movie be in, and not to take sort of the thunder away from you, because mm-hmm. you have a lot of thunder. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you were an apostle, you would you would have thunder in your name. Really, mm-hmm. man, I that is so. that is great news. I had no idea we could be thunder and lightning. You you could be lightning. You think I'm thunder or lightning? I think more lightning. Okay, 
I would say your thunder, but not to take your thunder away, but I was on a show, a podcast by Bear Wozniak, who we talked oh, about. Oh, yeah, we talked I about was, I was interviewed by him. How'd that go? And so we're going to have him on our show if we can figure it out. I'm sure we could figure it out. And interview yeah. him. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I didn't want to tell him that uh, you had his name. Oh. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. Yeah, he could have gotten competitive. I didn't know how to bring that up. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to kind of keep that on the DL when he comes on the show. You're just going <laughs> to you're gonna go back to just Deacon Adam. That sounds good. Is that good? I'll still roar, though, which will confuse him. Yeah, it'll conf- it'll <laughs> Well, the whole show will confuse him. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of what we do. Well, you know, what we need is uh, if if we're going to interview him, we need we need to send him a hot box because hmm. I imagine he's not coming to Louisiana. Well, he lives in Hawaii, right? So if you want to pay the shipping on that, one, <laughs> well, you can. We need one of our listeners who's okay. who's generous. <laughs> okay, speaking of hot boxes, mm-hmm. we actually have a hot box segment. Hot. Yes, we had uh, a listener uh, mail us a box, and it's sitting here. It's sitting here, and we have no idea. It's glorious. What's in it? Yeah, shout out and thanks to Brandon G. Do we say last names on on air? Brandon G. Brandon G. Brandon Gardner, friend of ours, uh, he, of the show. He mailed a box. We have no idea. Um, you're gonna open it. Oh, okay. and you got to talk about what's in it because I actually want to film this. All uh, right, I'll there's take no- it. Now, it's been here for a week, so if it was food... <laughs> it's gone by now. Yeah. All right. All right, here's our hot box for the week. Hot box. Here we go. Wow. Whoa. Looks like he brought it. What is it? This is... You've got to be kidding me. Say it out loud. I don't... Mosquito repellent. All right. I just want to say how cool this is. Okay. That's a God moment. So, Brandon, you... You have, obviously have the Holy Spirit in your life. This is wild. Last night, okay, I was out with my family on the patio enjoying the beautiful weather, and mosquitoes were biting us. So this this doesn't look like a spray. This looks like some No, it's a repellent. Of, like um, a contraption. No spray, no scent, and 15-foot mosquito-free zone, right? Okay. Wow. So mosquitoes start biting us. So I get my fogger out. I have one of these, like, camper foggers. Yeah. You know, so I, I spray, and it just didn't work. And I did it again, and it didn't work. So this morning, I said, Marianne, we need to pick up some of those mosquito repellent. Um, The thing I'm holding right now that Brandon gave us, Mm -hmm. I said, we need to get that. That right there. And you know how many times I've said that in my life? Well, here's the deal. Not everybody who listens to this needs, lives in a mosquito zone, but we do. We live in mosquito zones. So we got two of these. There's two. One for me, one for you. One. Yep. I mean, I literally said that this morning. Thanks, Brandon. We need to get that. So he. This listens. is definitely practical. A guy mailed this box. It's a very practical box. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Then we got some um, sunglasses. Nice. That say CCS Tigers on it. Ooh, Cathedral Catholic School. Where you used to mm-hmm. work at the cathedral. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to the Tigers. Shout out. Do you yep. want these? No, those are good. Look good on you. Those are bare glasses. Yeah. All right. I'll take the glasses. Okay. Thanks, Brandon. Um, wait a minute. This is the Path of Humility. So I know this book. I think. Let me see. the The, the copy I had was much older. This is like newer. Now, is he giving us that book because he wants to get rid of it, this or is, is it outrageous to you? Maybe. Okay. So I might have recommended this book to Brandon in the past. Maybe this is why I gave it because I do recommend this book. So maybe I mentioned it. Okay. So it was recommended to me by a spiritual director. 
Um, but it was it was published in the 1920s. Nice. But uh, it's basically a four week boot camp in the virtue of humility, and it's one of the books that changed my life. Um, and I had no idea that you could get this newer printing that I'm holding. That's probably a lot less expensive because the older printing, you know, when they stop printing stuff, it gets pretty expensive. But um, that's what this is. This is The Path of Humility, which is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Really? Yeah, I I recommend it often. The Path of Humility. Yeah, because I had no idea how much pride I had and self-love and like mm. self-infatuation until mm. I read this book. And I was 19 when I read it. So Yeah, but, you're 19. You definitely had more thunder back then. So this is a, a, a killer book. So I'm going to give this to you because I have a copy. Oh, so what are you saying? You need some of that. (laughs) I need some humility. Yeah, we all do. Okay. Oh, good news. Another pair of sunglasses, so we don't have to choose. Okay, Brandon, you just outdid yourself. He's very thoughtful. Yeah, the hot box, you know. Oh, and there's some tax guides. Oh, yeah. Two two sets of brochures. (laughs) That's so good because Brandon is an accountant. Yeah, he's a CPA, accountant. There you go. Go Go see Brandon. And just in time um, for the need Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross yesterday and Our Lady of Sorrows today, candy. Nice. Chocolate candy and a PJ's coffee cup. Wow. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon, you rock. That's good. Spectacular hot box. So listeners, if y'all want to send us a hot box. I know there's another one in the mail. I had a listener text me mm-hmm. for my address. So, you know. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Love the hot boxes. So Delta Media in Carriker, Louisiana. Email it. I mean, mail it there or drop it by like Brandon did, and uh, they'll get it to us for I don't know. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll ever have a hot box that has tax guides, mm-hmm. mosquito repellent, a book on humility, mm-hmm. and sunglasses. It's pretty good. And candy. And we just happen to be opening this, and there's candy on this sort of fee solemnity that we're celebrating today. Our Lady of Sorrows, right? That's right. We just happened to be recording on that day. So I'm going to eat a piece of candy for that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Paul, I've literally said once in my life, we need to get exactly this thing, the mosquito repellent. Mm -hmm. And the same day, a a listener gives it. That's nuts. Thanks, Brandon. It reminds me of something I was talking about this week with with people about the Holy Spirit and the gift of... um, well, like prophecy, we're jump, we had questions about prophecy, and we were talking about that. At y'all's small group here, sure. No, no, it was a different occasion. I was just okay. chatting with a friend. Okay. This idea of um, what prophecy is and like what role does it have, and you know, I said in my experience, it's mostly come through unknown statements where I'm just trying to articulate something, or um, like God puts on my heart, I'm trying to articulate the gospel. Mm-hmm. in a certain way, but it just happens to be said in a, in a way that resonates with the person that I, I had no idea. You ever you ever been in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, Brandon has the gift of prophecy with mosquitoes. It's so interesting because in my prayer time this morning, you know, I try to wake up early and I'm not 100% on that, but I would say, you know, a good amount of time, wake up early, get my prayer in. And I was so distracted because a mosquito kept flying in my ear, my face. This morning? This morning, literally. Brandon's full of the Holy to Spirit. To the point man. where I put my glasses on, I got my my flashlight, and I'm like, come on, where are you? Because I can't I can't pray. Like It just kept like 
z- you know what when a mm-hmm. mosquito buzzes in your ear like it was like and they're so small i finally found that thing and i killed it wow so yeah. you don't <laughs> this wouldn't help you anymore because you killed it but that is wild the well there's more morning. than one out okay. there. okay just <laughs> fyi by the way so all right well we got that a good show funny. planned thanks brandon for the hot box we got a weird catholic stuff coming up we got um all sorts of things. So we'll get right to it. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844 844- Three eight seven eight five three three. That's eight four four three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conkin Studio. We're enjoying the candy that was in the hot box yeah. on this uh, solemnity of Our Lady of Sorrows. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yesterday, uh, 9-14 is the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. And then that feast came first, and then the day after, we celebrate Mary's participation in that victory of the cross by her own suffering mm-hmm. in uh, her co-suffering with her son as she stood at the foot of the cross. And so she co-redeemed us. She She's co-victorious in the cross. And... Uh, of course, our Lord himself is the one um, redeemer, the one mediator between God and man, of course, you know. But she was there for the whole thing. But in his... As his mother. Well, in his plan of salvation for all of us, he invites us to participate in redemption. And Our Lady has a unique role in participating in that redemption. You have a role in that redemption. So we're eating candy. So we're eating candy to celebrate that Thanks, Jesus Brandon. is victorious over sin and death. Yeah, and I'm sure hoping that uh, Brandon has uh, websites... A good website because these three threefold brochures that he gave about his taxes um, <laughs> look like they're made in the '90s, which is probably why he put them in the box because they're probably like don't use them anymore since like the the encore of the internet, you know. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm an old man, but like if I'm if I'm thinking about like money and taxes and stuff, I don't really want like the flashy millennial latest looking thing. I want like the tried and true. You know, we're going to handle this business mm. and move on kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, oh, I see what so you're I saying. I appreciate that. Okay. All right. So do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? You know I do. Um, so this is related to a couple of uh, weeks ago. The the have you seen was this uh, lady in Beaumont who got attacked. A, a, a snake fell out of the sky. Yeah. And you said something that stuck with me how like you really don't like snakes. I did say that. Mhm. Mhm. And I you know I haven't met a lot of people who do. But I have met crazy people. And they're usually who do. strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh when this story just jumped out of me cuz cuz of that like when you made that comment. Mm-hmm. Um so in Arizona just uh recently last they have, week. They have rattlesnakes out there. Well, um a woman was in her garage cleaning some stuff out. Okay. They also have scorpions. Oof. What would you, you rather? You lived in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'd rather scorpions. Yeah, okay. 
Um, well, anyway, she's cleaning out her garage, and turns out there were 15 Western Diamondback rattlesnakes um, in her garage. Hor- sounds horrible. Sounds like a nightmare. Because Mommy Snake had all kind of baby snakes. That sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. 15 snakes. Is there like a someone you call? Well, she called uh, Animal Control. Um, and they came over and dealt with the situation. In fact, uh, Brian Hughes from the Animal Control Unit said, this is our record for most rattlesnakes in one call, ever. Wow. You don't want to be setting records for animal control. <laughs> you don't. But uh, she did. You don't. You know, one of the things interesting about snakes, like on the spiritual level, is that a snake represents like this serpent, you know, mm-hmm. the devil, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean... I don't know. State, snakes have just always had a bad reputation. I mean, I feel bad for snakes. I don't even really know. Like you, you try to understand all of God's creation, okay? Mm-hmm. And like we're talking about mosquitoes. What are they here for? They have to be here for a reason or a purpose. Yeah. You know, not intellectually or not like <laughs> you know. Well, some things like, have to eat. Like bees. Like we need bees. We yeah. need flowers. Like you, you understand. Like everything sort of plays a role. Mm-hmm. In some way, shape, or form, and and I could look up like what's the point of the mosquito? Maybe they kill other things. Maybe they help with like certain like funguses or you know I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I will never know why snakes exist. Maybe they eat certain, you know, like rodents, which they do. But then the rodents, like everything, sort of like you know, yeah, circle of life. Thing. Well, it seems like their main purpose is to remind us of the devil and sin. But that's what they do. <laughs> that's what Remind, they do. <laughs> like there's, you'd never look at a snake, right, and be like, "That's cute." So you want to hear the worst part of this story it that gets, I saved for last? Yeah, please. So they found 15 snakes. But would you found, move, sell your house, get a hotel for a year? Like, what would you do? Because, like, I know, like me, my family, like my wife would not. I would look for the hole that they got through, <laughs> and I'll try to plug that hole. But once it was plugged, I'd be good. Okay. So they they found 15 living snakes. Okay. But you know how snakes shed their skin? Yeah. <clears throat> so these experts in examining the piles of... Is this of, like a super old house? No. Wow. In examining the piles of shed skin, mm-hmm. they estimate that as many as 40 snakes live there at some point. That sounds horrible. Four zero. I feel like my chest is tightening, <laughs> tightening right now. Like, honestly. Which is awesome. Really? Uh, yeah. Because, you know, reactions to this thing reminds us of how we should treat sin and evil mm-hmm. and the temptation of sin. So that's the thing. Serpents don't just represent the devil and sin. They represent the tempting quality, the seductive quality of sin, right? Like, it was a serpent that appeared to Eve and, and Adam um, to seduce them, mm-hmm. to tempt them. It was Christ and Our Lady who crushed the head of the serpent. That is the tem- tempting quality of sin because they had no original sin. They had nothing to do with sin in their life. So this idea of these seductive, sneaky... And look, these snakes were in her garage. She had no idea. As many as 40 of them. Wow. And that's how sin is. Like, it'll move in. And yet we have no idea how close it is, how dangerous it is, and we play with stuff that's sinful or the near occasion of sin, and then it gets you. Hmm. Right? That venom of sin just... Is that a good snake bite sound? I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like you today. <laughs> like, I'm not... 
So first, your mom got f- mad at me. I'm not a fan of you today. First, mom got mad at me, and then now you're mad at me. I, I just can't take this. I'm well, just reporting the news, people. You did redeem yourself by naming my mom the mm-hmm. you know the mother of the show. Yeah, and she is. Very, well, I think God chose her in that role. <laughs> She's very proud. I think I was just recognizing of the that obvious. role of, yeah. of that. Here, here's the one thing that actually, um, if I can just redeem the snake for a second, that snakes actually do. Um, remind me of of something redemptive or um, <clears throat> since I hope like each year they do shed their skin mm-hmm. and they take on like a new a new skin you know new in a sense and I often think about that like I've spent you know a lot of time in the outdoors in the woods you know hunting you know things like that and you'll come across you know, obviously snakes in the woods, but like you'll see more often than not, uh, a snakeskin shed, you mm-hmm. know, and then that snake is somewhere, you know, alive somewhere in a new skin. And it's always represented to me in some way, in a weird way, finding the actual snakeskin isn't super scary. It's kind of really cool and unique because it dries and you kind of get this sense of like, this came off of a living thing, you know, mm-hmm. and now that living thing has a has a new skin it's it's crazy it's it's really strange how like these little minute things how god just worked it out and and it's a it's a way that this animal survives this this reptile this whatever and um you know one of my favorite scriptures verses in all the scripture is uh in second corinthians five seventeen. whoever is in christ is a new creation mm-hmm. the old has passed away behold new things will come right and I often think about that. What they over the course of our, our, our life, like we should be shedding away this this old shell, per se, this old skin, this this old way of living and and taking on new life, right? And I often think like you know, when I was young, you were talking about when you're nineteen you needed to read this book on humility, right? Like just because whatever, you're mm-hmm. you're still growing in maturity mm-hmm. as we all are at nineteen. Yeah, I used to often think like conversion was a moment. Like I should, the old's gone, news here, boom. I, I should be have it all together after my conversion. And the reality is, it, it's almost like an annual, you know, new skin. You know, mm-hmm. this this moving into this this hibernation, shedding the old skin and coming out in a new springtime each year new different right so this this ongoing conversion of shedding the old moving into the new i don't know how i'm doing on that but it sounds great <laughs> well and you remind me of how so when the israelites were complaining against god um how we wish we were back in egypt because we we're in this desert and all that so the lord sends serpents to bite them right and many died but then he also sent another serpent a bronze one uh, to be lifted up high, and through that serpent, he brought salvation and healing, right? And, um, of course, our Lord himself compared, or he showed how this was a shadow of the cross itself, that death, which is the snake, death is the poison that gets us all, is redeemed and conquered by death, his death on the cross. And all who look to him on the cross in his death actually find life. And... Um, I think it's exactly the scenario you're talking about, right? Like we, 
we shed our skin each time the mystery of the cross re-enters our life in, in a meaningful way. The cross is always there, right? But there's going to be moments, maybe annually, maybe more often, I don't know, there's going to be moments where the cross brings a new victory. And, and in every war, Paul, I don't know if you remember history of wars. I'm not a big war buff, but like World War II, for example. Mm-hmm. In every war, you have battles where victories are won, and you celebrate those battles, but then there's like the winning of the war. Mm-hmm. And everything in between, you know, and so the spiritual life is a lot like that. I mean, at the end of our lives, as long as we remain with our Lord Jesus, remain close to him, the the war is won, and we, heaven is that victory, but there's so many battles in between now and then. And um, each time a battle is won by the cross, each time the Lord conquers sin and death in our life in a new way, it is the shedding of skin, it's this new life. And this book was like that for me, actually. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you, you know, we're, Brandon just happened to mail the book. We're talking about this is that part of conversion and ongoing conversion is having the humility to admit that's right that I need to change, or there's small or big ways that I need to change or reflect on or look at, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think having the excuse of, well, this is just the way I am, is not a good excuse. Mm. Now, it's one thing if it's your personality, you know, I'm an introvert or an extrovert or, you know, um, you know, my personality is a certain way. Yeah, like there's a sense of like self-acceptance and self-love. But maybe there's certain character traits or flaws or bad habits or things. It's like, you know what, like I do need to get better at that. I need to be more patient, more kind, more loving in the way I express my thoughts or feelings or actions or whatever the case may be, right? A a Mm -hmm. sense of the only way to change, there has to be, you can't change without humility in a sense of saying, yes, like I need to change. Like I need to do something about this in my life. The Path of Humility, this book obviously reflects on that. I haven't read the whole thing, but you obviously needed it. I need it again um, because you don't really know what needs to change about you um, until you see yourself as God sees you, Mm -hmm. which is a very sobering thing because if, if we admit that, yes, I need to grow, yes, I need to change, yes, I could be holier, that's also the same thing as saying I have pride, I have self love, I have self infatuation. Why? Because that really is the foundation of all sin and vice. Yeah, is pride, and you right. don't realize it. And so this this book for me, and there's other methods, and the Lord might just reveal. But like we don't really know how much we love ourselves, or and um, but that's kind of the two options. You mentioned the old man putting away the old man. Well, who's the old man? The old man is the one who lives for himself. That's that's the serpent. The devil is the one who lives for himself. He says, I will not serve. I will not be a part of the kingdom. I am the God of this kingdom. Yeah. And that is the old man. That's the worldly man. That's the fleshly man that is at war, at enmity with the spirit, at enmity with the things of God, just like the devil is. And that war is within us Hmm. all the time. Um, And so the path of humility, revisiting over and over again, where... That old man is still there to put to death more and more. St. Paul had to do it till he died. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that we celebrate a saint this week, St. John Chrysostom. 
Chrysostom. Easy for you to say. That it's such a like his last it name rolls off the tongue. Yeah, say it. Chrysostom. Chrysostom. Yeah. Some, some people say Chrysostom, but it's supposed to be Chrysostom, I think. Which is interesting because Chrysostom was the a nickname that he was given, which mm-hmm. means golden mouth or golden tongue. That he was mm-hmm. such a, you know, good preacher teacher that it was like, you know honey coming out of his mouth like he was it was just pure gold right Mm -hmm. and you wonder did he have a sense of humility well yeah in a lot of ways because his like his they say his body was weak like he dealt with a lot of ailments and so in one way like where he had this great gift of preaching and teaching he was humbled in other ways in his life so he wasn't this sort of center of attention or like this narcissist you know like he just used his gifts that god gave him and had a sense of humility at the same time. So humility is 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 being authentically who we are using our gifts. You know, we can have we can love ourselves but not, you know, be the center of the world, you know. So like yeah. we you know, St. John, he's got an interesting story um and one of the great sort of, you know, saints of our of history and history. Oh yeah, he's huge. Well, and, and humility is the greatest freedom for the gifts God gave you. Because our gifts are going to be bound by our pride. Nothing traps the gifts God gave us like our pride. They're like shackles in a prison. Because we treat those gifts as if we are the origin of them. Like, I have this gift because I'm so great. And we limit those gifts to our desires, our plans, our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nothing frees the gifts and talents God's given, God's given us like humility. To recognize that God has given me every gift I have, every talent I have, every, and he gave them for a purpose that's not mine. It's not private. Yeah. So it brings this freedom to everything God gave us to bless the world, to acknowledge that we're not the source of these talents or gifts. God is, and that they're not for me. They're yeah. for everyone else. Yeah, St. John Chrysostom. You know, he's the patron saint of orators, preachers, speakers, mm-hmm. Um. And at the end of his life, he was exiled. Yeah. He wasn't this rounding success. He died in, in exile. Talk yeah. about humility, you yeah. know, but like he didn't stop loving Christ or lose his faith, you know, because he wasn't able to use his gift. Like he, I don't think he ever thought of it as that. It's right. just like he was just being authentically who God made him to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what brings us the most joy in our life when we're authentically who God made us to be living in our unique gifts and makeup and and sharing that with others in the world, not trying to be something or someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And that's life's journey. Like that's part of conversion is is just, you know, coming to grips with, with the beauty of that, you know? Yeah, so, and it's up to God when those gifts are utilized, when they're not, how they are. It's up to him. Like for, he had a long preaching career that was successful, and then he had a long exile. Um, this reminds me, I, I was able to hear Cardinal George Pell speak before he died, and he was the Australian cardinal who was in prison, wrongly accused of sexual abuse, um, but then um, vindicated later. But he was in prison for over a year, hmm. and he couldn't celebrate Mass. They wouldn't let him do that. He couldn't. Uh, he was in basically solitary confinement. It was it was brutal. Wow. And I got to hear him speak about that. But you know, like he was so he was so full of joy and peace. And it seemed like when he walked out of prison, he was still him. 
Like his, his, in other words, this thing you're bringing up where you just find God's will for your life, wherever it is, if it's in the prison or if it's on the pulpit or wherever God is sending you. And if you're consistently living that will and seeking his will, right? then he, he became holier that way in prison. It mm. wasn't performing his great, I mean, he had so many gifts as a, a preacher, as a pastor. It wasn't in performing any of those things that he became holier. It was in being in prison and ministering to the inmates, the limited interactions he had with others. That became his world, but he was faithful to it and became holier that way. Um, so for us, you know, God calls us to very specific things at specific times, and if we're generous with that to his will, then we can become holy. Hmm. If not, we can do a lot of great things, but not actually become holier by them. That's a, You know, our Lord tells us that. It's not about giving all your money to the poor. It's about loving the poor by giving all your money, right? Yeah, okay, so... Do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? Yep. That's weird. You're weird. I am weird. Because I'm Catholic. You need this person. I'm weird. Weird Catholic stuff. All right. So also this coming week on September 19th is the Feast of St. Januarius. Yes. Yes. We've talked about old Januarius. Usually around this time of year, we bring them up, and it is weird. The old vial of blood. So we have we have to. It's just an annual tradition. Talk about this weird thing. Okay, so those of you who maybe haven't listened in the past on the show, this is probably the weirdest continual thing that won't go away. Yeah. Okay, like you know, there's there's Eucharistic miracles that happen. And and, that, and yeah, like it's weird. But like this is like an annual weird thing that you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> right? So explain to them St. Januarius and like what happens. All right. So St. Januarius lived in the early 300s-ish. Um, he was Bishop of Benevent- Benevento, Italy. Benevento. Yes, that's, Benevento. That's very Italian. Benevento, Italy. Um, and he was he was a beloved saint. He was uh, martyred in, by well under the persecution of Diocletian, which was particularly brutal. Was he really? Mm-hmm. And uh, so when he was martyred, <clears throat> a faithful woman named Eusebia collected his blood in two flasks to keep it as a relic. Now, why his blood? I mean, I guess other people had other relics, but she and, thought, and I'm what get year his blood. was this? Uh, this was around the, I mean, this is in the 300s, so 4th century, some, somewhere around there. 4th century, she collected blood in a vial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Eusebia collected the blood in a vial, and it became kind of his main relic. Now, I don't know if it was because he was a martyr and the blood of martyrs and this idea of like him shedding his blood like the blood of Christ. I don't know. Because there's not many of these. I don't know of many like blood vial relics. I've heard of some. Right. But like, it's not like it was a common thing. I don't it's know. not a common thing, and it wasn't a thing. She just did it. She just did it. Now, what they noticed, um, about a thousand years later, <laughs> so it wasn't like an immediate thing, but in 1389, they noticed on the Feast of St. Januarius that the blood, which, by the way, dries up over time, so when you have blood in a vial, it would like... Especially since the 4th century, but yeah, yeah. It, it dries up in the vial. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. stay liquid. It right. becomes like a solid or like a residue really over time. Okay. So in 1389, pretty much a thousand years later, 
the blood reliquified. And people noticed because they were there for his feast, like most places. So if, on his feast, they went to reverence mm-hmm. on his feast day because he's a saint. And the vial of blood... Like bubbled up and became liquid again. It was it was dried up mm-hmm. and it became liquid. Yeah, thousand-year-old blood. That's nuts, dude. The next year... Um, by the way, his, his relics are kept in Naples, Italy, if you want to make a pilgrimage. But okay. the next year, it happened again. Wow. So every year on his feast, they hold up the vial to see if it turns to liquid. Yeah, and it gets even weirder. So um, it's it's an all-day affair. <laughs> and it's, it's Sounds like Mardi Gras. It's not quite clear when the liquid liquefaction of the blood will happen. Okay. So that's why it's an all-day vigil. And if it takes a long time, um, there's this tradition of, of especially the, the women in the community, but they start praying loudly and like wailing and like ploring heaven and kind of fussing at St. Januarius, like, let's get this done, you know, reliquify okay. the blood. And then it happens. Um, now, not only on his feast day, but sometimes in the presence of holy people or of popes, it also reliquifies, so like unexpectedly. Wow! This happened famously with uh, Pope Benedict. Uh, I want to go Francis see this. I want to go to Naples. This is one of the things. Well, you can eat pizza and check out the blood. That's on my bucket list. So, if you're ever in a trivia contest and they ask you which Italian city is called the city of blood, it's Naples, and it's for this reason, because wow. it's it's because um, of Saint Januarius. He's the patron saint of blood donors. Of well, course, that's, why not? People who suffer heart attacks, mm. of course. Um, so there are some years where it does not liquefy. And why is that? Well, the sa- the belief on the ground is that it's a bad sign of some things happening or that will happen. Um, it's not a good thing. And uh, yeah, so, and when, when holy people visit, they're... It's seen as a sign of holiness. Um, but also, it might liquefy like more than once or twice throughout a year. The last time this happened was actually last year. The blood liquefied three times. Wow. This is nuts. All right, Naples. Let's do a show in Naples. Okay. Do we have any listeners there? Any listeners who want to donate Look, the money? we'll come, we'll speak. <laughs> yeah. We'll do an event, a mission, and we'll do a show from Naples. St. Januarius, pray for us that we can get there. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, the bear in studio. Thanks for listening to the show on the podcast, wherever you are, on 
here in Acadiana, KLFT Radio. Super pumped to be with you. So glad. And so glad. we got our first hot box mail to us. We got we got mosquito repellent, which is not the spray, but like these little looks like these little canisters, canisters of salvation that like mm-hmm. you set out like on your table outside and enjoy yeah. life. Sunglasses, some candy, matching sunglasses, and a book should. for you called The Path of Humility. Well, it's for you. I've read it. I've done it. I what if do you it again, read but... the book and God in humility was asking you to shave your beard? Sure. Would you, would you do it? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, the only reason I have my beard, and I'm very open about this. Because it's, it's a staple for you now. Like, I don't remember you without a beard. Although, like... Yeah. Well, I've been told not to shave my beard, the presumably first part because of, of how ugly I am. But friendship. Yeah, I was beardless. You would look 10 years younger. Yeah, I would. You really would. Yeah. But I'm very open about why I have my beard. It's because my wife likes it. Okay. That's pretty much it. And that's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she likes the manly beard thing. Thing. Yeah. Hmm. So, and, and I, it's not like I don't like it. I just, I'd never grown one, then I grew one, and she was like, oh, I really like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, because I'm probably that why ugly. I have a clean-shaven face. Because your wife likes that. I think so, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I, I think so it's do a, I, though. Like, I, I just don't yeah. like a lot of distraction. I'm I think a it's a good thing to be married though. and to make your spouse happy. I think that's a good thing. Okay, in the hot box you gave me not long ago, mm-hmm. I think, you... Put in there a dictionary, mm-hmm. Holman Bible Dictionary. This thing is huge. It's got every, I don't know, word that exists in the Bible, I it's guess. It's pretty big, yeah. Even the word like the. It's as big as the Bible. So I got a segment. I'm picking a word. You got to guess what it is. What's the word? What's the word with Paul Jewell? <laughs> you just made that up. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to pick the word, and you have to guess so what it is. So you're give me, like, the definition or how it's used, and I have to guess what word it is? No, opposite. Oh, so you're going to tell me the word, and I have to... Guess what it okay. is. Okay. Okay. All for it. All right, the word, and I just turned to a page, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is perfect. <laughs> okay, the word is, no joke, doves dung. Dove dung. D-O-V-E-S, doves dung. D-U... <sighs> NG. So this is found in the Bible somewhere, and it has a meaning, and that's what's in the dictionary. Okay. Dove's dung. Dove's dung. We're all going to learn something today, by the way, but it's dove's dung. So the only memory I have of bird poop in the Bible... Would probably be Tobit. ...of significance is Tobit. Right. But I don't remember them saying it was doves specifically. I thought it was just birds. Right. Of any kind of bird. So I'm, I'm just going to go with uh, the dove dung... And that it represents um, healing from heaven. I mean, uh, uh, well, not healing, from your but, sight. but um, that's what causes cataract. So it represents that kind of like God's, um, not wrath, but... I would say it's a good guess, and I okay. probably would have... That's where you would have gone with it? I would have gone that same route, probably. Well, I don't know where else there's bird poop in the Bible. You know, So, but... I'm going to have to say you're wrong. However, so dove's dung, okay? Mm -hmm. An item sold as food for an incredible price comes from 2 Kings 6. You're kidding. During the siege of Samaria. Yeah, some interpret dove's dung as bird droppings that indicates in a time of siege, persons could be reduced to eating their own 
you know, like stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Others have suggested the dung was to be used as fuel, right? Oh. Uh, you know, to get through. Others have suggested that does dung actually refers to a plant similar to a wild onion, which was edible after boiling and roasting, right? Wow. So, still others amen the text to read some type of bean pods. So it was a nickname for some type of food. Oh, it looked like dove dung. That was actually sold for a high price during the siege. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Huh. So we just learned something. We did. Yeah, on the show. And if you ever said you listened to the show and didn't learn anything, today you have. You're full of dove dung. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's funny. So it could be simultaneously meaning you're wealthy enough to afford something. Maybe. But then, or it could mean you're reduced to just eating poop. Something that looks like it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. But it's an actual word. Dove dung. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to start using it. I will use it in a sentence at some point this week. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. In one of your homilies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just think about it, if you ever, if there is ever is a reading from Second Kings, and and you're just like, holy, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> I learned this on our own show. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? You That's, know what I'm saying? Okay, so next time I have to give a homily that in any way includes Second Kings, I will I will bring up the dove dunks. Okay, so we're going to uh, finish the show with um, a favorite segment from a good friend of mine, my first cousin, Holly Carbo, who loves this segment, okay? Mm-hmm. And I promised her that she could come in one day and do this segment with us. It is the six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So why does she say she loves this segment? I don't know. I think she... Well, she's hysterical. We're related. And mm-hmm. if you meet her, you'll know why. Like, we're just, you know. I don't know why this segment. I'll have to ask her. But <clears throat> I think she wants to ask me some questions on air and maybe stump me. Mm-hmm. Maybe ask me some hard questions. Maybe laugh about some things, some questions. Um, but I tried to tell her and everyone else who asked about this segment that when you ask the questions, I have no idea what the questions are going to be. Well, she can, uh, listeners can email you. So if you go to pauljoyce.la, find out how to get in touch with you, email questions. You just can't look at them. So, like, put in the subject line, six pack of questions. Mm-hmm. Then just forward that to me, Paul. Okay. Don't even look at it. Just forward it to me. And then I'll, I'll ask on people's behalf or if they want to come on the show. I don't know. That sounds good. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's good to know. Okay. All right. Question number two. No, what was the, the first one was why does she. Yeah. Well, oh, that was the why first does she question. love it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it just makes her laugh. I don't, and and she wants to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And maybe she wants to ask you some too. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Question number two. So you mentioned you were at this. And if she comes on, it's probably <laughs> be more than a six pack. I would have to guess. Yeah, it must be one of those uh, cases. Be like a case. Yeah. Twenty-four. Case of questions. <laughs> Is that how many come in a case? Is there a twelve pack? Well, if it's if it's a case of Bud Light, it'll be very cheap. That's right. These days. These days. Yeah. All right, question number two. So you mentioned you were at this Eucharistic Congress in Charlotte, and I had no idea, but you said they've been doing this annually? I think so. 
Okay, so my question is... They've taken a year off here and there. COVID, obviously, a year, two off, whatever. But yeah, for the most part, like it's been an ongoing sort of thing. Yeah. So my question, I'm sure you've you ask questions about this is what fruit have they seen from a consistent like annual event around the Eucharist in their area? Um, what fruits have they attributed to it? I think vocations one, which is mm-hmm. impressive too. I think there's a sense of a, a broader community of the church coming together and an appreciation of um, <clears throat> the diversity of the church how beautiful it is. So, you know, different than like our small diocese here, geographically meaning, their diocese is spread out eight hours. You see what I'm saying? It's a big so drive, yeah. In North Carolina, there's only two dioceses. The oh, state's okay. split in half, the diocese of, of Raleigh-Durham, I believe, and then the diocese of Charlotte. And so like, you know, imagine like Louisiana only having two dioceses. We have seven, right? Yeah. So, like, they, they're able to bring really a diverse group together. And it, I think it, you know, <clears throat> what you find, if we talked about, like, say, diocese like Tulsa, which is like 4% Catholic, give mm-hmm. or take, you know, I don't know the exact, that there seems to be a, a strong movement of Catholic communities in places where you have to really own your faith, mm-hmm. right? Whereas here, culturally, sometimes you just kind of get by. Yeah. Mm. All right, question number three. Uh, we talked about finding these uh, 15 snakes, rattlesnakes. Could have been as many as 40 at one time um, in this lady's garage. And uh, my question for you is, when we talked about this like the, in the spiritual life, these snakes that are kind of hiding around and that kind of thing, um, and you mentioned this new skin. What are some ways that you found for people to um, maybe like clean out their spiritual garage, let's say, like find those snakes and or like find out where you need that new skin, where God's asking you to have a new life. Sometimes it's hard to know where to go in our life to find this call to conversion. What are some exercises or some things you've recommended to people to actually like dig deeper? For me, it's this book. That's an example. But like what are some things you've come across? Well, let's get away from the whole snake thing mm-hmm. and go to another example of skin in Scripture. Jesus uses the example of wineskins. That's true. And he says, why would you put new wine in old wineskins? Because the old wineskins would burst, right? They couldn't mm-hmm. hold. New wine is still fermenting. It still has a lot of, <clears throat> you know, like, yeah, fermenting to do. And it would burst the old wineskins. Why would you do that, he says. And I think this, that's what he's getting at. Like the same for us is like, why would we take the new life of God, the new things that he's doing, the new conversion and place it inside of our old self, our old ways, right? Mm-hmm. It would it would, it would, would ruin the skin and the wine. They, we would lose both. It's not like you save one. You lose both. When you put new wine in the old wine skins, you lose both the wine and the skin. So this is what Jesus is getting at. So like, why would we do that? So like, as we move into new life, like we must put away the old wine skin and move into new life, right? Like, really putting ourselves in a place to receive more of Jesus and his grace and conversion through mass and the sacraments, through reading, through community, through small groups, through Bible studies, uh, through retreats, through devotions, through all those things, right? Like play a role in uh, warding off the enemy's sort of, you know, voice so that we can hear God and move forward. Mm-hmm. 
Question number four. So you talked about St. John Chrysostom, Golden mm-hmm. Mouth, and uh, this gift he had of preaching and preaching the gospel, and he would be a traveling preacher, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> my question is, so this, so your life has kind of been defined by some of the same gifts, let's say, know. in the sense of Maybe. you've spoken to a lot of people, yeah, and you're still speaking to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, but I don't think people like turn around and be like, wow. No, I didn't say that. But no one's you've, nicknamed you've me. You've gone... <laughs> Golden Mouth Paul. But you've gone a path of like traveling to preach, let's say. And um, I bet that comes with a certain... uh, Not many Catholics have that opportunity or do that or have that calling, right? It probably comes with a certain amount of like things you learn along the way, Mm -hmm. things you realize about yourself, about others, about the church. Um, what, What have you learned? Like how can you resonate with John Chrysostom of like, oh yeah... Um, when you're doing all that, I've learned this about myself. I've learned to be cautious about this. I've learned this about other people. What do you learn in that kind of life? I've learned to exile myself. Yeah? Yeah. Like, honestly. You know, he was he was exiled. He, he didn't spend the end of his life preaching. He just lived in humility. In a sense of like, yeah, if God's asking me to go do something, I'd do it. But like, just send me back into the normal life that I'm called to live. My family as a husband, father, whatever. Like, help me just to live in that exile sort of mentality mm-hmm. of humility. Not worrying about what I did or what I didn't do, good, bad, or ugly, right? Mm-hmm. I think a sense of humility is just to be grounded into the daily life that God has for you. And so, yeah, just help me to live in freedom in exile, you know, exile is, is not bondage, you know, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's a sense of like away from everything. That's what exile means, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Detached, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. So so I don't know. Like, uh, of course, I'm an introvert. So like that's easy for me to say. That's so funny. You're an introvert who does a lot of extroverted things. I'm around a lot of people. I do a lot of extroverted things. And actually, there's something very introverted about speaking on a stage because you're by yourself. That's true. And they're not talking back to you. No. No. But I can be around people all day, but I do need downtime. So exile is good for me, too, at the same time. That's good stuff. All right, question number five. We talked about St. Januarius. Yes. This really weird blood thing. And he's got a weird name. Yeah, and funny that his feast day is in... September, not January. It yeah. seems like a missed opportunity. He died the wrong month. Yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah. off. Imagine if your name was May and you, you died, died in October. And, yeah, it's not good. Rough. Um, But you mentioned wanting to go to Naples and check this out. Yeah, we're going to do a show there. But you've been to Italy. I have. Okay. But not Naples. Right. So my question is, would you consider? I would. Would you? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Would you consider a pilgrimage for the podcast? Yeah. To Italy. Yeah, I would. As long as you and I could bring our wives. Yeah. That's the only way I'm going back to Italy. And I've said that. I'm mm-hmm. only going back to Italy because my wife goes with me. Mm-hmm. There's no point in going to Italy without your spouse. That's a good point. I mean, it's it's a great point. Yeah. So anyway. Well, I've never been there, but I imagine so. Now, so the answer is yes. Okay. Let's do it. Well, if any listener wants to help organize a pilgrimage, and by help, I mean mainly organize a pilgrimage <laughs> too. To Italy. We will show. go, show up, deliver yes. <laughs> the best that we have. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. See, I would think it would be like 20 people, not a whole mess of or people. Or we could just go and, you know, do, you know, ministry work there and whatever, you know, like 
We're going to put that in God's hands. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. All right, question number six. Um, so football season's now here again. Oh, yeah, it is. And um, my kids are have gotten really into it the past couple of years. I've noticed that for whatever reason, um, family life is different when sports are involved. Hmm. It can get out of control maybe, but like having something that has nothing to do with real life, let's say, because like mm-hmm. really my life's not impacted by whether the Saints win or not at all, right? Right. But have something that's kind of like outside the home, not not so like important for life to just enjoy together. Mm-hmm. Seems to have some kind of like effect on the family, and now that the the weather's getting better, maybe sports are starting up again. Those kinds of things. Um, I want to hear you talk about what you've learned about that importance of playing together as a family, or having these activities as a family that aren't just you know getting the the work done around the house or cooking meal. You know, like just things you enjoy. What have what have you learned about that kind of thing? Well, I think it's a sense of just community. You know, that we long for this friendship, family, community. Yeah, we're rallying around maybe a football game, but it's just an excuse to get together, right? And we need more excuses to get together and just have leisure and fellowship. You know, it doesn't always have to be serious or, you know, put together. It's just like, hey, um, let's just let's just live life, right? Like mm-hmm. community and, and football kind of does that. The fall weather does that. Uh, and, you know, for us, like just – just being more intentional about that with our family and our friends, is, I think, is good. I need to be better at it. So, mm. yeah. sweet. Well, there's the six pack. What's your cousin's name again? Holly. There you go, Holly. It, there's yeah. a six pack. Look, when she comes, she needs to bring it. Bring that six pack. Bring it. Like, bring it. It'll be fun. So, all right. Great show. Thanks for listening on the podcast or on the radio. Super glad you're a part of it. And we'll be back next week. God bless. Mm-hmm.